0: Welcome back to the Skits and Giggles podcast, I'm Pascal, chief instigator of this show and your host. I'm joined by my co-host and resident engineer, the boo-boo to my yogi bear, Bryson. How's it going today, buddy? Hey, Pascal. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, man. We are also joined by the reigning champion of the Skits and Giggles podcast, and he's going for the three-peat today, James Drew of Bike the World. James, how's things with you today?
1: All good, guys. Thanks for having me back again.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, before we jump into anything else today, uh, I want to talk a little bit about our fundraiser that we like to call uh, Stutz and Giggles. For the listeners that don't know what a Stutz is, um, Stutz is the slang term for a Swiss franc, and we thought it was a, a nice play on the motto of our show. It's also our way to give back to the community that uh, has given us so much and our way of trying to help and support the next generation of Shredders. Overall, the idea is very simple. Per episode that Bryson and I record, we're putting down a minimum amount. We're also inviting all of our guests to join in and they can decide freely how much they want to contribute. Of course, Bryson and I will match whatever number our guests are putting down as much as we can. Of course, we know that James here, he's made billions in the bike industry, so we have to be careful with uh, talking about numbers here. (laughs) What we're going to do with that uh, money is that uh, Bryson and I, we're going to put it in our skiddy bank and uh, at the end of each year, we take it out and we will be doing at least one of the three things that we're going to talk about in a second. And uh, in the ideal scenario, all things going really, really well, um, we can do a little bit of everything. Um, the three things that we have in mind, and you know, that's kind of ranked by our personal priorities with this idea, is uh, number one, support a promising up-and-coming rider with the means to compete, travel, or produce some exciting content. If we fail to find an uh, up-and-coming rider, then number two, We will support a community-based mountain bike infrastructure project, such as a new mountain bike trail or a pump track. If we fail to do that, then we uh, will support a charity that is making a difference in the world through the power of the bicycle. There's some fantastic initiatives out there um, globally, but uh, actually we have a very good example here in Switzerland. I'm not quite sure if you guys are uh, familiar with Velafrica.
1: What's that, I'm Pascal? not,
0: no. Oh, okay. Well, I've actually done a, a fundraiser for them a couple of years ago already. Um, the, the basic idea is that uh, they are uh, collecting used bicycles here in, uh, in Switzerland. They bring them to a center uh, here in Switzerland, where they also train refugees to be bicycle mechanics and together they are then refurbishing those bicycles ship them to africa where they then uh, provide those bicycles to the local market for very cheap cost they also support the local economy by training people locally so they get you know professional opportunities but i think the more important aspect is that you know the again you know coming back to the power of the bicycle um you know, it's a means of transport. It's uh, it opens up uh, opportunities, be it um, to access uh, medical services, to access education, and of course to access uh, professional opportunities. And you know, overall, um, I think it's uh, it's a very very thought through project, and they're doing fantastic work. James, um, you're our first guest, and this is the first time we actually talk about this on the show. So just wanted to put the feeler out, and you know. Your, your first impression.
1: Oh, I think it's an absolute uh, fantastic idea. I'm always uh, keen to help out. And I think it's great to give something back, um, especially if you can.
2: So, James, at the end of the year, we split the fund, as Pascal said. Um, you have any, any idea on where you want to place your funds?
1: Um, yeah, right, right, right off the top of my head. Um, I don't, I, I do believe in, in doing something charitable. Um, I think investing in a low, like also in local projects. Um, I think Velo Plus does something as well, quite similar, helping refugees out to, um, with education, uh, within the industry. Um, so I, I would definitely, um, I would be more favourable towards a charitable type donation.
0: Okay, well, thank you for that. So for that insight, and um, of course your support, and uh, you know both Bryson and I, we are very curious to see how far uh, how far we can take this project.
1: Well, I think it's a great thing, and um, yeah, I'm keen keen to help, keen to be on board.
0: Thank you. Well, for the listeners that want to help out with uh, Stutz and Giggles, you can just head over to our website at skitsandgiggles.com and find out how you can get involved. I'll just give you a little hint here, and it may or may not involve stickers. On the website, you can also find all of our episodes and show notes, as well as all the links to subscribe to this show. At this stage, Spotify is where most of our listeners are coming from, and I think Personally, it's mostly because of the easy sharing functions to the socials. So please keep sharing our episodes on your socials and let your writing buddies know about the Skits and Giggles podcast. Speaking of the socials, you can find us on Instagram at Skits and Giggles and now also on YouTube. Bryson, we are on the tube, man. All the memes. (laughs) I know, it's so exciting. Well, guys, you'll have to excuse the gnarly YouTube address that we currently have. uh, But uh, as you may or may not know, uh, you need at least 100 subscribers to get uh, your own channel address. So if the tube is where you listen to podcasts, just subscribe to the channel to let us know. In that process, you not only make it easier for everyone else to find us, but obviously you get every single update right in your notifications. I would personally call that a win-win. With all that out of the way, um, it's time to move uh, into our listener question,
2: shall we? So, a friend of the podcast, JT, he wanted to have our take on carbon fiber and its innately hideous recyclability, as he puts it in in quotation. Uh, James, uh, what's your take?
1: Uh, It's an interesting one. Um, I think. I think that's changing the whole recyclable aspect of it. Of course, carbon fibre is is well, it's not relatively new in in the bike world. But for example, you know, enduro frames is probably relatively new. I think there's been a lot of questions about the environmental environmental impact, uh, recycling, um, things like that. Also, you know, if you break or crack carbon um products they're done uh it's not like steel if you crack a steel frame you just weld it back together again and off you go Um, so it's a good question i do think the technology is improving there Uh, i know it's very expensive to recycle carbon but it's a lot less inexpensive to produce actually it's a lot less inexpensive um or shall we say it has a less of an environmental impact than uh mining for aluminium ore for example so you could argue that um that kind of impact is offset due to the manufacturing process but of course i do believe that the more work needs to be done when it comes to uh, figuring out how to recycle carbon. But I think uh, there's a lot of people out there doing it, and as the technology progresses, I think it'll become easier and easier, and, uh, and it will then become more of a conscious material.
2: Yeah, there's not just carbon fiber, like a plain carbon fiber out there anymore, you know, from year 2000. Hmm. There's a whole array of different manufacturing techniques and different um, yeah, combinations of materials that they're doing to, to make it maybe more sustainable or reusable. Um, personally, I'm, I take the stance of having um, a product that's going to withstand uh, for a longer period of time rather than repurposing it as a different uh, part. For example, taking apart the carbon and, and then building a rocker link from it or maybe some small tools or something. But that's me personally. Um, but as you said, I, I do agree. We're going in the right direction in terms of uh, being able to get the most out of these materials with the least amount of impact to the environment. Um, Pascal, what about you?
0: Well, yeah, I guess the my personal view on this is that you know at the end of the day, we touched on this um, already on uh, one of the other episodes. You know, it's a it's a manufacturing business, whichever way you look at it and uh you know even if you even if you use um something that grows again you know like let's say you make a a bike from from wood you still need to cut down a tree um but, and then on the other you know yes you can you can regrow the tree and uh, and in a couple of years you have the same tree again but at the end of the day something something's got to give um as uh, james already mentioned uh, you know Clearly with, uh, with uh, aluminium, the, issue, the main issue is uh, the mining um, that, uh, you know, that completely destroys land sides. And uh, you know, it's not, not an area that you want to be traveling to after they're, they're, they're done with mining for whatever raw materials they need for aluminium. But the flip side to that is, of course, that uh, aluminium can be, can be recycled if you want to. Um, I'm not quite sure how, how much that is actually being done. Um, but in theory, it's possible. You know, with carbon fiber, of course. Yes, it is. Let's say cleaner um, to to produce. Um, you still use you know resins, etc. That uh, that you need to um, you know to, to put the actual material together and make it into a frame or whatever else it is that you want to produce. But as 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 we already said, the uh, the, um, the the recycling is a bit questionable. You know, maybe to summarize, yes, there is a a number of uh, companies right now out there that are investing into uh, recycling infrastructure. I know that Revel bikes, they're using recycled carbon for their rims, for example. Uh, I know in the U.S. there's a number of uh, companies that are investing in alternative ways to um, produce carbon fiber frames that makes them uh, recyclable. I think Guerrilla Gravity is one of the brands. Um, So, yeah, I guess in summary... You know, take take to take the big picture view. Is like you know consider can, consider your consumer choices, um, and, and and you know to make the best decision in, in for, for yourself in terms of what you need and and how long you're gonna use it and and what the end state is of the product that you're gonna use.
1: I was just looking around. Actually, Pyga also do a um, a uh, a recycling program, so you can send your old frame. Uh, instead of just you know throwing it away <laughs> you can you can send it in to them and they will um, then um, make sure that it's disposed of or recycled properly
0: okay very good of course we support we support initiatives like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> all right maybe uh, now with uh, with that uh, discussion done let's uh move on into the uh the main part of the conversation for today. Um, today, we want to get a little bit into James's uh, background, Ooh. how he how he got into bikes and then even thought it was a great idea to get into the bike business. <laughs> james uh, we we already heard how you made uh, your first billion dollars in the bike industry <laughs> in episode one. but <laughs> maybe uh, maybe let's clarify just uh, how you got into bikes in the first place.
1: Uh, how I got into bikes in the first place—it was—it was actually my buddy Ian, <laughs> who uh, who got me into it. Um, but this was a long time ago. I was—I must have been—I mean, I'd been able to ride bikes since I was a kid, and I used to actually mountain bike when I was quite a bit younger. Uh, sort of between, I guess, sort of around the age of 14 or something, we used to go up up on the local hill and, and shred the, the local trails with my rigid fork and my cheap, cheap mountain bike, which didn't last very long. My parents weren't too pleased with me. Uh, After that, I got heavily into skateboarding, actually. Um, I was very into winter sports as well. So in the winter, I used to snowboard. And then in in summer, I used to skateboard. And I sort of, I was just, in summertime, just constantly covered in holes, like my knees, my elbows, just everything. And as my career sort of progressed, I started to find, yeah, I can't, I can't I can't always turn up to meetings, you know, bleeding.
0: <laughs> bleeding through your shirt. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I was a graphic designer at the time, actually. So, I think it wasn't my only motivation, actually. But I think that was one motivation where I thought um yeah i might try something else and yeah a buddy of mine he uh he's like yeah come biking with me so i did and yeah we went up the utliberg and uh yeah rode the first edition of the antenna trail probably (laughs) wasn't quite what it is today (laughs) but um um yeah from there I'm like yeah this is great actually I think one aspect I really liked about it was also the um the sort of aerobic bit as well you know and climbing somewhere and also being able to go pretty far as well on a skateboard you won't get very far um so with a bike you can you can get pretty far so, believing that I would have less injuries, which was completely wrong, <laughs> off I went. <laughs> yeah. but once I started i was I was uh, completely hooked, and um, haven't looked back since
0: okay and i mean what uh, what in particular, apart from of course the aerobic exercise and uh, covering big distances what uh, what got you hooked?
1: the downhills. <laughs> It's always the downhills, you know, it, and it's and it's fun. And riding bikes is is fun. So uh, yeah, I think that just that that's what I'd never done anything, not really like like ridden any trails like that before. Uh, you know, back when I was a kid, we didn't have that; we just had a jump somewhere. So <laughs> so yeah, that's where it started.
0: Okay, and when you know, if you if you can describe the ratio. Between your, you know, bloody shirts and uh, you know different scabs all over your body from skateboarding, and what's the ratio between the skateboarding scabs and uh, mountain biking scabs? Uh, uh,
1: let's let's put it this way: I didn't have any scabs anymore, so I had less frequent injuries, but they were way worse when they happened. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, ha- had a few few broken bones. Broke my back about 12 years ago. <laughs> um,
0: How did that happen?
1: <laughs> I was in Niedvalden, uh riding a trail I'd never ridden before. And we came out of the forest around this corner, and it was a six-meter drop. I, I didn't know the trail. No one told me, and I just went flying out into a riverbed. <laughs> and that was that.
0: <laughs> and that was that. <laughs>
1: but uh yeah i had to stop for a year but uh got got back on the bike when i was better
0: <laughs> back on the horse so to speak
1: <laughs> there you go and um
0: you know at uh, at what uh, at what point did you decide that uh, just uh, riding a bike is not enough anymore and you you really wanted to get into the business uh
1: how, so did,
0: how did you get into uh, the business
1: uh, well from from so from my original sort of mountain biking experiences, you know, we had hardtails back then, and I don't think the technology had progressed that far, or not that much. Uh, it was, it was. I think the first time was I think we went to Chatel and rented some Scott. They must have been G, or was it a Ransom? I can't remember. Old, and I think these were the. F- it
0: takes it takes a genius to figure out the Scott brand, uh, model names.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So it, it it was then when when I really got the taste for kind of bike park riding as well, and I mean that was God. When was that? Must have been very early two thousand. And I think that whole scene was also in its infancy as well back then. I'm sure someone will argue with me about that but I think as a mainstream kind of sport it was in its infancy. Uh so yeah I I got that and then at that point all I all I need all I wanted was a bike like that. That's all I cared about. That's all I looked at online. That's all I thought about and it just went crazy and then eventually I what did I got I got a Univega like super cheap offline, which was... That's in, a bit sad An interesting. Anticlimactic. I, didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have loads of cash. <laughs> anyway, I didn't have that for long, but that was the very first kind of free ride bike. Uh, and then I got a Kona Stinky. Uh, bought the frame only, built it all up, realized that's a very, very expensive way to go about <laughs> getting a bike. Um, and yeah, I was so into it, and I realized Kona had its European office pretty much across from the street from where I was living, about 50 meters away. And so I applied for a job. They said yes. <laughs> and that's how it happened. And that's how I got into the bike industry. Oh,
0: sweet. Yeah. And uh, what was your uh, what was your first job? Was it just like you know some kind of a marketing manager or?
1: Oh, just, just jack-of-all-trades, pretty much.
0: <laughs> so that means bringing the coffees?
1: <laughs> not quite. <laughs> no, I was a salesman to start with, uh, but I did also do quite a bit of graphic work and IT stuff as well in the office uh, where I could. But primarily, I worked in sales.
0: Okay, so um, not, not, much, not much different from, from what you do today with, uh, with Bike
1: to World that is correct that is correct actually i started bike the world while i was there um that was (laughs)
0: did kona know about that
1: (laughs) probably (laughs) so uh yeah i was looking for because i love customizing my bikes you know i like i like as as people have probably heard from the uh the first I think it was the first episode. I think aesthetics are important. Uh, I don't. I'm not scared to say it. And so, yeah, I loved you know pimping my bike up. I had now I had access to, you know, lots of different frames, bikes. So yeah, I really enjoyed you know putting nice components on there, and making them look good. So that was when I originally found Chromag. I was browsing through you know, the different media at the time and looking what's new and hot. And then I had the idea of, you know, increasing my involvement in the industry and asked if I could distribute their brand. And they said yes. So uh, mm-hmm. so off I went. So, uh, yeah, I, di- I did. Um, I worked uh, a full-time job and did distribution for a number of years, actually. Um, after Kona, I went to work for Trek. And then uh, at Trek, things started to get quite serious with my business. So that's when I decided to actually go and work or go and get a job, which didn't directly conflict um, what I was doing as a full-time job as well. So I went to work for a marketing company who weren't very interested what I was doing on the side as it, it had nothing to really do with their business or anything that was going on and uh yeah slowly I I started to realize I'm having less and less time for what I'm doing at work and more and more time on the business uh, especially because I started to expand I started to take in some some new brands I have quite a lot of brands now more than one anyway
0: <laughs> not only
1: so, so yeah so that was the uh the decision then I took the decision to... Um, stop completely. Oh, I didn't actually stop completely, I started working part time, so I worked on like a freelance basis, should we say. So I still had that security if I needed it, and uh, but I could decide how much I wanted to work and how much I didn't. So, uh, yeah, okay. So.
0: What uh, you know, I guess the then that's the natural follow on question to that is you know, when, when did you decide to, to go all in, put all your chips on black? so to speak, because we know black is the fastest, so therefore the natural choice.
1: It is. It is. It wasn't so long ago, actually. It was November 2018.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was so recent.
1: Yeah, it was quite recent. Yeah, up until then, I was actually the company I was working for, I think, got a bit fed up of me constantly saying, no, I haven't got any time.
0: (laughs) I'm too busy to work.
1: (laughs) So they're like, yeah, sorry, James. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was good. I mean, it's a hard step to take, actually. Uh, It's risky. I mean, I have a family. Um, and thankfully my wife works full-time as well so uh, so you know we always have that fall back <laughs> just in case things go really really uh, down the drain uh, but it's a really hard step to take uh, but i'm super glad uh, i took it
0: okay what about your uh, what were your main uh you know so the, let's say the, the the highlights so far from of that time since you went full-time
1: the highlights of that time, uh, definitely being able to do what I love, uh, actually building something up by myself, um, running, running a business by myself, it's all me, I don't answer to anyone. Um, which I think is absolutely fantastic and it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I think, I think there's two types of people. Um, you have those who really want to do something themselves, want to work for themselves, want to build a business. And there's then people who I think are quite happy to, to uh, go and work in a bigger team and, and have a bit more of that. Shall we say standard type of career, uh, but I've always wanted to work for myself since I was well, early twenties. So it's only taken me twenty years.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I guess yeah. We're we're all kind of working working on uh, towards towards making making sense of our uh, of our love and passion for the bike and uh, you know making sense of our professional uh, professional ambitions. Let's say.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: <clears throat> i mean you know the you know apart from the uh, the mundane reasons the uh, you know such as keeping lights on and food on the table of course you said that uh, you better have uh, also works that clearly takes some pressures away of course but uh, what uh, what inspires you to you know to keep to keep going to to go your way and you know put up obviously with a lot of a lot of challenges as as a business person in a it's interesting, but uh, also a bit of a niche industry, so to speak.
1: My love of bikes, and you know, cash is quite motivating as well. Um. Oh. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I tell you what, it's it's. When you do something like this by yourself, like every sale that goes out, or you know, if I have a really good month, the you know, the sense of accomplishment is absolutely fantastic. And that, that's what keeps me going. And that actually drives me to do more and to grow. Um, and I think, you know, I feel myself quite lucky that I can actually work with what I love to do as well as a hobby. Um, that's quite unusual. I think there's a lot of people out there who probably uh, maybe aren't so happy with uh, what they're doing professionally. And um, you know, have a hobby on the weekend, which they love doing and look forward to, which of course is fine, but I do feel quite lucky, and that I think that drives me to really try and do my best and Excel.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, you know, that's uh, not much to, to <laughs> add to that. I mean, it's uh, you know, just let's let's get out there and uh, let's do it. <laughs> well, I mean, there's I other. I'd
1: I, I also say actually, it's an interesting industry. I mean, it's quite technologically driven as well, especially at the moment. So that's also it's exciting. Uh, you know, it's it's there's a lot of new stuff happening. There's some stuff happening where you might think what the hell (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and some stuff happening where you think oh that's really cool or that's really innovative um i think it's it's um that's how it is you know it's
0: You make an interesting interesting point here and i I guess that maybe something we can explore a bit you said that uh, you know it's very technologically enabled i mean i guess that's a you know kind of a theme across a number of industries Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know and um you know, if you take that technological ena- enablement from today's industry, let's say, or where the industry is today, and think back over your, you know, the time that you've spent in it, but apart from technology, what has what has changed the most? Would you actually been able to do what you do today, let's say, in two thousand or even before?
1: Uh, uh, how do you mean?
0: Well, let's say think about, you know, what, what we have today is obviously mm-hmm. everything is, is, is electronic. You can do a lot of, as a, as a one-man show, you can do a lot of stuff basically from your phone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, from, you know, having a web shop to marketing to answering yeah. your emails to whatever it is. Um, so, basically, you can do your job from your phone. Um, uh, whereas, let's say, at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, you know, internet was you know mostly in its infancy. Um was, uh, you know supply chains were looking very different than they look today, um, and obviously the the role of of, of say a sales or of a um, you know product manager or whatever it is was looking very different at the time. So I was just wondering what you know what is the biggest change that you've seen over. Uh
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure actually marketing, we're back on marketing. (laughs) That's a big one. I mean, yeah, social media and and this whole, I mean, yeah, that's quite new compared to when I started. I think, I think we did use to post stuff on Facebook, but it wasn't really used as an advertising tool. It's just, you know, hey, look at us, look how cool we are. (laughs) Mm. Um, So, yeah, that's a huge change. And the technology, of course, is also a huge change. I mean, I'm sure there's other industries like the automotive industry, which may be a bit further in that respect. Uh, Perhaps there's a lot of technology coming into our industry that's also being borrowed from there or trickle-down technology, as you call it. more so like
0: trickle, trickle across, <laughs> trickle across. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's that's probably a big change, a big change as well. And I also think the sort of mentality of the end consumers changed a bit. Um, you know, people know there's bikes out there. People know bikes are expensive these days, and people people see what's going on. So it's, I mean, yeah, like I said, you know, back in. You know, the early 2000s, I was skateboarding, and you know, mountain biking wasn't particularly big. I mean, these days, if you go to the bottom of the uh, the Utley Berg, our local trail, it's packed. You know, when the weather's nice, can be pretty packed when the weather isn't nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's something you didn't really ever see before. I think I think racing was a bit bigger back then, but it was kind yeah, of sure. kind of a. Uh, Kind of, yeah, more of a click, you know. There was there was these groups of people who went out cross country racing, or whatever on the weekend. They all met somewhere and had an event or did whatever. But I think these days it's it's way more accessible, especially mountain biking. And uh, there's a lot more, lot more bike shops around as well. I think.
2: I think you throw us a little bone there, uh, Pascal, um, because how I think about your question or to answer your question is, uh, in the theme of, uh, connectivity. And so this is a, this is a major thing that's changed in our society since, uh, the early days of mountain biking, let's say. So, you know, when I started mountain biking in early two thousands, I would have to go to a bike shop, pick up a magazine or pick up a catalog, browse through it, ask questions to the shop guy who sometimes might've been a little too sarcastic. Um, and, uh, try to figure things out from there. You know, it's, and then internet came on board, and you could go to, let's say, Kona website or whatever and see the specs. But um, now it's you just swipe and swipe and swipe, and you have all of that at your fingertips. And uh, as James says, it plays into the marketing, but it also plays into how we connect with each other about, you know, uh, oh, I didn't like my fork, or uh, this frame cracked, and you you can just take a picture and send an email instantly. Um James, has, how has uh, that ca- kind of new connectivity played a role in your business?
1: Well, it's a huge positive factor, actually, in my business, because I'm a small business as well. So I can use that as, as an opportunity, like um, to 100%. Well, maybe not 100%. I mean, there's always going to be negative aspects to the Internet. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's huge. It's, it makes my life easier. You know, I can get the message out there without having to drive to a hundred different shops and uh, <laughs> go and go and do presentations. You know, I can very quickly I can send a newsletter which just has a button in saying "Are you interested?" And already then I can pick up, okay, who who's really interested in my products, and I can focus on driving to them, not you know doing a tour of the whole world. <laughs> So, so it's definitely time saving. Um, it's 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 definitely makes my life much easier. Uh, you can you can target people a lot easier now than you used to be able to.
2: Yeah, and this convenience is definitely the the trend that's happening with this connectivity. It's it's allowing us all to be connected easier, allowing us to do things easier, quicker, and yeah, I think it's, our society has benefited in some ways, but in in other ways we've, we've lost touch with, yeah, some other things, but we can get into that topic a little (laughs) bit later.
0: (laughs) That's a a topic for a a different episode entirely. Um, You know, maybe let's, uh, let's focus, uh, you know, back a little bit on, uh, on you personally. And uh, you already mentioned that you're a you're a family man, and obviously that's also a topic that uh, I'm kind of interested in, as as a family man myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, is the, the the whole question around uh, and the kids and how you get your own kids and family stoked on bikes the same way as you are? I mean, obviously we've covered your your need for alone time uh, <laughs> already before, and <laughs> don't want to go too far into that. But uh, you know, how are you how are you approaching the topic with your kids?
1: Oh that is an interesting one. Uh all my kids have bikes. Uh they have quite nice bikes as well. They I didn't go I didn't go all out and you know spend thousands and thousands of bucks on them cuz it is a kids bike. They do trash them. They do leave them around unlocked. Uh so they grow. <laughs> yeah, they grow. Well, I had I had a not a bad solution for that one actually. Um so Um, But yeah, I I got them quite nice bikes, Um, so, you know, good stuff, fun to ride, um, easy brakes to use, I didn't go for the cheapest uh, I possibly could, Um, they all had nice bikes. Uh, One thing um, I have also done is tried to not push them too hard. Uh, I love biking, but I do fear if I like make them ride every day with me up and and they don't enjoy it, at some point, they're just going to hate it. So I kind of try to let them find their own way, uh, let them figure out what they want to do, where they want to ride. I will always show them. I mean, it was great last summer. I had uh, yeah, my boys. I got three boys, by the way. And uh, five, five of their friends, I managed to get them to cycle up all the way to the top of the Utliberg. And that was from the ages of 10 to 6. And what was amazing was, I mean, it took us a long time and there was a lot of breaks and I had to take a lot of candy with me. Um, but what was absolutely amazing is that they all just did it there was not one single complaint when they saw everyone was doing it they all just went along and so for me that day i'm like okay they learned one thing today you know the community aspect of of biking or mountain biking is is definitely fun you know and and when we got to the top they they all got a treat and absolutely absolutely fabulous um, the other thing I like to do is kind of just go out with them on a, on a Saturday afternoon around the village and yeah, just jump around a bit, you know, just do some ride down some stairs, just stupid stuff. And they love doing that and, uh, and then leave it up to them
0: okay Well, oh, yeah, i mean you make <clears throat> you make obviously a number of uh, very interesting points uh which i want to you know take up and comment on i mean yes the power of candy um <laughs> is real so that's pro tip from two two uh bike dads um always have <laughs> gummy bears in your pocket
1: and plasters that's,
0: and plasters and of enough water <laughs> that too <laughs> Um, but it's it's also interesting. I mean, uh, you know, speaking of the you know getting a treat at the top, it is it is fascinating. And my kids are exactly the same. Is how uh, you know you can you can say like, okay, let's you know go to this. For us, it's the McDonald's. You know, three villages over from us. It's like, hey, look, let's go to McDonald's for lunch. And it's like a. 25 kilometer out and back ride for them, and it's actually absolutely no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's the first time we did it, my my kids were like five and four.
1: Oh, uh, I haven't tried and, that uh, one.
0: <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I mean the the, the power of, of 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 treats and <laughs> the, the proverbial carrot and the carrot and the <laughs> stick is is fascinating how that uh, works in real life. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly with ice cream, chocolates, and as we said, candy. Um, exactly. <clears throat> The other uh, very uh, interesting or important point you make is uh, the, the focus on giving them the proper tools to you know to have fun. I mean, again, I've made exactly the same experience. Uh, and, you know, if you want to name a brand, and of course, I think uh, what the Early Rider does is, is fantastic. Absolutely, it's very very kid specific. So that starts with the with the brakes. It goes to uh, you know kids appropriately sized kids pedals and saddles and you know all the comp- contact points are are dialed and um so yeah, i mean uh, that makes a huge difference if you use a dedicated kids bike the um you know the the issue with uh let's say without naming names using <laughs> one of the main brands uh that treat kids bikes as an afterthought um you know just slap some BMX parts on it that are not necessarily designed for kids um and, and are heavy so i mean remember like, the first bike we got for our first born, and I mean, that was 12 kilos, and it coaster breaks the full deal. <laughs> and that's just not fun when you're 15 kilos yourself. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then we got the, the, the first early rider, which, you know, the one with the belt drive, and that weighs like five and a half kilos. And that's just a completely different world. And, uh, you know, both of them were, were changed, changed little persons <laughs> in terms of bikes after that experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've always had early rider. Apart from my oldest now, he, uh so it's, I thought long and hard about his bike. He got a, it's actually a, shall we say, dirt jump slash slash kind of enduro bike. Um, so a mountain bike. Yeah, well, you can run up to 140 mil suspension in it, but it is quite dirt type Frame, You know, it's a low slung frame, Um, definitely dirt geometry, but you can up the travel in it from, I think, I think they said anywhere between 100 and 140 um, millimeters of travel. So uh, I went for 120 with him. What I, what I insist on is that they ride hardtails no no full suspension not yet they will be they will of course be allowed to have a full suspension but to do that when I want have...
0: <laughs> they have to buy their own, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, I I think I think up to a point you have to buy them. I'm not sure you'll get away with them buying them. They can um, start with hand
2: me down stinkies,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, but, um, yeah, the first of all, I said, Hey, you got a hardtail now because I have a few friends who give their kids like full suspension bikes and they're like, Why hardtails? And I'm like, First of all, it will improve their riding. Um, it'll make them technically better, and if they really, really want to get into it, um, and they're shredding the hardtail like crazy, you're going to see that, and then you're going to know, okay, if I get this 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 kid a full suspension bike now, they're going to take off. You know, they're gonna they're gonna love it. And and I said that's that's the big motivator for me buying you know a quite expensive full suspension. Um, a bike a nice bike for a kid that then doesn't really use it or isn't very interested in it is a um, is is a bit of a waste of money probably and then of course you have the growing aspect which you mentioned before so that was one other reason I got a dirt jumper Um, because uh, actually he can, use that forever. <laughs> he, he can ride it forever exactly uh, I'm sure he won't ride it forever but he's now had it it was a bit big when he first got it but he must have had it now since he was nine I guess maybe nine or eight 26 inch wheels he's super comfortable on it still um, plus if he wants to go up on the hill he just puts the saddle up a bit it's still it's still perfect it's still big enough and yeah, if he if he really gets into dirt jumping, he already has a dirt jump bike, you know, for when he's 15, 16. So so uh, yeah, it was it was something I thought a lot about actually. So
0: Absolutely, you know, bringing it bringing it back to you know the the, the carrot and the stick, right? So it's mm-hmm. always kind of having that uh, Having that carrot dangling in front of them, it's uh, it's the same with suspension. I've been pr- relatively uh, defensive on uh, purchasing any suspended front <laughs> suspension for for the kids bikes, uh, mm-hmm. but I think we uh, we made a deal that um, you know a fox a fox sticker is uh, almost as good as having the same forks as Daddy. <laughs> um, so for far, sure. I could. Uh, <laughs> so far, we could placate if that him would with work that. For me. <laughs> You should try. Maybe <laughs> you should get a you know a very Gucci Gucci suspension <laughs> brand <laughs> sticker or something, and then
1: Ölin, yeah. <laughs> exactly <Eileen> stickers <laughs> and
0: stickers. Can't you feel it? It's like super suspended.
1: It's just mega stiff. Yeah, but, uh, That's how I like exactly. it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so far that worked. But uh, you know, we're, the, the pressure is increasing. That uh, certainly the, the younger one he wants to have some suspension so he can go much faster.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Of course. Well, suspension is fun.
2: Let it be known. I'm a very big fan of both of your families, and uh, I do enjoy the wisdom uh, that you are laying down right now about uh, about that and getting them into writing. Uh, but let's flip it up or flip it back to James. Um, we've written together uh, quite a, quite a bit and for quite a while since I've arrived in Switzerland, anyways. And um, but I want to, I want you to let let the listeners know. Um when you do have a chance to get out for a quick ride by yourself, just a quick loop or whatever you want to call it, um where do you mostly find yourself?
1: Uh in my backyard pretty much. So uh yeah, we just live just underneath the Utley bag. So if I just go want to go for a quick quick loop, a quick ride, uh I'll just head up there. I mean, it's it's very I'm, I'm very. My location is very ideal for that because there's an access to quite a number of trails uh, around here. Uh, that's that's definitely where. Um, yeah, I mean, if I don't need to drive anywhere, if I can just put my kit on, you know, go into the garage, grab my bike, and and realise I forgot my water bottle, run back upstairs quick. That normally happens, and uh, yeah, just head straight out, and that's that's what I love. That's the beauty of Switzerland as well. You can you can just go ride. You don't need to go anywhere. Would not be my favourite spot though.
0: Okay. Well, it would be your favourite spot.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that. That's uh, one a of the not secret ones. <laughs> <laughs> one of the all of my favourite spots are secret. <laughs> No, there's a great one uh, that you guys both know as well in Canton Schweiz <laughs> that I love. Um, it's not a, it's not exactly legal, so we probably shouldn't talk about it too much. Um, but I but think it's super it, like that for an after-work ride, um, or you know, on that day when you're like, ah, oh, really, I really want to go and shred, or, or if you're pissed off and it's and it just pops into your head, and it's what it's about. 35, 40-minute drive, and you're like, I normally wrote to Bryson, Bryson, you in? Yep, let's go. And it's great. And I, I love doing that. And and it's, you know, it's what, an, an hour loop, hour and a half loop? Yeah. So, 500 um, meters up? Yeah, there you go. It's not very high. But uh, it's just epic on the way down. It's just absolutely fantastic.
0: Okay, well, I mean, uh, maybe for the listener to illustrate, I've, I've been taken to the secret spot uh, at the back end of last year, and uh, it's the, uh, the archetypical, classic, janky, old hiking trail, root-infested, slippery ass, and uh, yeah, but it's just a fantastic time. We were we We're going twice, we were hooting and hollering, and uh, we actually just posted it recently on our Instagram, so if you want to check that out to get a, get a little impression. But yeah, no, it's it's definitely one, it's gone in right on the on the top of my favorite spots around <laughs> here. That's for sure.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, we should go. Hey. We should go this afternoon.
2: Let's do it. <laughs> hey, let's so the schedule.
1: <laughs> I'm in. It, well, there's probably going to be a bit of snow now. <laughs> M- might not be that much fun. <laughs>
2: Let's throw another scenario out there. Uh, After a long day of riding, uh, maybe at your favorite destination or uh, another spot where you really favor, um, what's your uh, favorite local snack? What do you like to have?
1: Well, when I'm finished. Exactly. A beer.
0: And when you have to (laughs) drive afterwards.
1: You're allowed to drink one here (laughs) and still drive? Uh, otherwise, I mean, I, I, I tell you what, lunch, lunch is a better one, you know, if you go out all day. Actually, another, well, probably one of my really favorite riding spots in the Alps. So if I'm going for a day or a weekend, is Grindelwald. I love it up there. They don't actually have a bike park um, or anything like that. But the trails are just so versatile from high alpine, super rocky to really wet kind of muddy cow pat infested you know slippery trails to you know loamy woods or or even like rock you know like large bits of flat rock and it's technical and it's fun and you can you can actually see a huge area and a good buddy of of mine or all of ours actually who lives in Interlaken um, yeah, it's pretty cool to sort of head to his place, take the train up and um you know go ride all day and then ride all the way back down the uh down down to the bottom of the valley so that's uh it's a fantastic place and it's beautiful
0: well that's for sure, but uh, it's actually literally postcard <laughs> postcard neighborhood around there yeah and actually the beautiful thing is in in that area is just, you know you can ride all the way down to uh the Bese or tunonaze. Brienzsee uh, in the summer even is very very chilly, so you need to pick a really hot day if you want to make that work. Uh, the other side of Interlaken is, uh, is of course a little bit better; <laughs> uh, it's not quite as chilly. Um, but yeah, no, it's fantastic. fantastic yeah, we
1: we did there. that. We did the Brienzsee the last time we went with Paolo, didn't we? Although mm-hmm. I, I got in trouble because I kept doing bombs into the lake, but <laughs> sort of disturbing everyone's you know nice Sunday afternoon. <laughs>
2: That yeah, was a perfect break <laughs> from the heat.
1: It was fantastic.
0: Maybe to wrap this uh, this discussion up, um, you know, if if and when we'll ever have friends and family visiting again from for a riding trip from overseas or um, you know somewhere outside of Switzerland, actually, <laughs> where do you, where do you take them uh, riding? Just to showcase some of the the best riding we have here.
1: Oh, I think that's I mean, that depends. If I have someone who's coming from overseas and is going to stay actually with me at my home, um, I tend to show them the local trails. I think there's, I mean, compared to most places in the world, there's so much to ride around here, so much opportunity, and so much you can get to without having to drive too far. You know, if you go down to Zug, um, or even to like Goldau, and you know, Canton Schwyz or Canton Uri, even there's just loads and loads of stuff which isn't isn't so far away. Um, And it kind of, what I like to do is kind of show people the trails I ride a lot. Um, Because I have a family, I don't often get away for a boys riding weekend. (laughs) So uh, having said that, if I'm going to do that, you know, I'm a big fan of Lenzer Heide, uh, Grindelwald, like, like we've been talking about. I also lived in the French part of Switzerland for a long time. So Port de Soleil is is absolutely fantastic as well. So these are these are good places to uh, to go. And I mean, it's bike park, so nothing wrong with that. So uh, it's a bit easier on the legs on the way up.
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> so, for sure.
1: So uh, that's always fun. But I mean, I really love showing people the local trails here because there's some really amazing stuff actually. And I think a lot of people don't realise the uh, the amount of stuff there is to ride just just you know outside my front door really
0: all right we're uh, getting uh, towards the end of our time here so we would like to close out the show with a couple of questions that we ask all of our guests is that okay for you
1: that's perfectly fine
0: (laughs) all right well question number one and we'd obviously talked about uh, you know what got you, got you riding or, or got you into riding already, so I mean, the natural question here is, you know tell us a bit about the the bike that uh, got, you, got you really stoked about riding for the first oh, time? Oh, That
1: would have been my old Kona stinky. the black one. Uh, what year was it? 2007, I think. Yeah, that was, that was cool. Oh, I built that up with a, a bomber 66. Uh, on the front and what what else did I have? I think I had deity wheels, white deity rims, and handlebar as well, black stem. It was all black and white. It was uh, oh, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. It was a good looking bike. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It is a classic. It is a classic. It is. Well, back then I think Kona was also at their uh, their heyday when it came to uh, they were they were making the gravity scene, weren't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Did you have Tioga tires on that bike?
1: Uh, Maxis, I think. Okay, actually, you caught on
2: to the trend early. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> right on. Then uh, you know the, the second question, it's, uh, it's a bit it's a bit out there. <laughs> so just to get your head in, into it. So imagine imagine yourself as Harry Skidini, and you are a bike magician extraordinaire. And you can make riding a bike more awesome for anyone by the stroke of your magic dropper post. <laughs> what would you do? It can be positive Ooh. or it can be
1: negative. <laughs> Good question. Good question. I mean, I mean, first off, you know, just make sure they're riding all of my brands. That's That's, <laughs> that, that's what I want. Bing. You know, as soon as that Stop. happens, they're happy. My bank account is happy. Off we we call that
0: in my industry. We call that talking your own book.
1: Well, there you go. That's that's probably a, a more nicer phrase of what I'm actually doing. But, um, but let me see. I mean, I mean, if we talked about equipment, I think one of the the best parts that I swapped out. A while ago was a change from aluminium to carbon handlebars. And um, I just find carbon bars just more comfortable. I think you're um, getting old. <laughs> I think that might have something to do with it. <laughs> I think you're right, um, but that's that's one thing that's made a big difference for me. I do, to be honest, I have noticed I can ride for way longer without getting arm pump or you know my hands starting to hurt. It's just uh, it's just especially the ones I'm selling. They just seem to be just a bit more forgiving.
0: Okay. Have you uh, experimented with grips? Because that's that's one of my current experiments. Is uh, after riding uh, lock-on grips for the last two or three years, I'm going back to uh, to f- slide on. So mm-hmm. like n- without any lock-on sleeve, you know, with the theory being that obviously you have a lot more rubber material between your hand and uh, and the handlebars.
1: I have experimented with with all of all of the grips that I sell, (laughs) actually, uh, which makes a huge difference, actually, from from hand size to hand shape to, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I find grips is super personal thing, actually. Um, So, yeah, it, it does make sense to have the right grips. However, I have not tried any purely slide on grips yet. I Always have lock on or half lock on. Uh so uh, I might I might take you take you up on I might I might give that a go actually. I might take your advice and here and, and, and I'm going, try I'm, that. I'm out. going
0: I'm going full motor now. Um, so uh, so like with full wire and everything. Oh, <laughs>
1: Nice.
2: <laughs> okay, from uh, one personal question to the next. Um, now I want you to think real deep here. Maybe even close your eyes to conjure up a real deep Answer. It's very important. So what makes a great skid?
1: <laughs> I don't know if I want to go that deep. <laughs> I might move past biking. Okay, we'll keep
2: it on the we'll keep it on the I'm kidding, I'm kidding.
1: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, kicking up loads of dirt and dust makes a good skid for me.
0: There you go. Like you know, really, really sending it for the trail <laughs> crew, so to speak.
1: There you go.
2: <laughs> oh, just making sure that they have a job.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're very happy about that. But I'll oh, come on. Everyone's going to agree. It looks awesome. You know, get That'd a load you... of loam flying in the air. I, t- I tell you, I tell you what. I, I think it comes from snowboarding slightly. You know, riding powder and and just getting getting in that turn and just send a load of snow just flying away everyone loves to see a picture of that see a video of that and everyone loves doing that go on it's no difference no different with biking
0: true that's uh very 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 true and i think we we all appreciate the uh the the visual power of a fantastic skid I mean, on that, uh, I think on that positive note, I think, uh, you know, we, we close it out. Maybe, um, James, just uh, for the third time, repeat again, you know, just if people have questions, you know, about Bike the World, about your brands,
1: mm-hmm. how
0: can they find you? How can they reach out to you?
1: Our website is biketheworld.ch. Uh, there's a contact form on the site. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to uh, get in touch with me um and yeah you can also see on the site what we do which brands we have we also have uh uh, an instagram account which is exactly the same bike the world.ch so uh yeah come come check us out and uh yeah just get in touch give us a
0: holler Mm. (laughs) well with that being said you know i think i haven't said it enough um thank you very much for doing this it was awesome having you on um fantastic uh intro to the skits and giggles podcast um i'm sure we'll have you on again in the future and so until then i'm saying thank you again and uh, yeah talk to you next time
1: thank you yeah looking forward to it guys
2: let's go for a ride <laughs>
1: let's go let's do that i'm i'm ready i am raring to go